Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth, with each other, and with the divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. I'm Katie Monson, and I'm a lecturer in environmental studies at the University of California, Santa Cruz. So this means I spend my time teaching students about freshwater systems, our changing climate, agriculture and food systems, and even a bit about energy, green buildings, production, consumption, and waste, all kinds of topics related to the oikonomia, to the caretaking of our big physical household, and in a just way for all people. So my students are these amazing people, primarily in their early 20s, and to them this is not just theoretical. They get it. They know they are inheriting a planet in peril. But I can't leave them there in that place of problems. I feel that I have this important job of showing them the problems, being real about those, but also to make them fall more deeply in love with fresh water or food systems, to bring them stories of hope so they can collaborate to develop new ways of doing all the things we humans do in our world. And so to me, this is really what Holden's um, 2018 theme of fear not asks us to do in this context, that we see these challenges in our environment, and yet we don't let fear consume us. We must move forward in hope, drawing on our love of God, our deep connection to our planet home, and strive for alternatives in the meantime. So one of my favorite areas in which to fear not is in food and farming, it's so basic, right? We have to find ways to feed ourselves without spoiling our very nest. We are very good at producing a large volume of food in a variety of textures and flavors and colors. And uh, we produce many calories and generally quite a bit of nutrition too. But doing so brings a host of problems. There are the environmental ones like reduced genetic diversity of crops and livestock of soil erosion and groundwater depletion, of fertilizer pollution in our water bodies, of loss of land for other species, of greenhouse gas emissions from producing the agrochemicals and driving the tractors and combines, of, from transporting food from farms to processors to stores or restaurants, from refrigeration and from packaging, and then other problems too. And so, in the book, Deeply Rooted by Lisa M. Hamilton, which is on our list of recommended books for the 2018 summer program. So in the book, Deeply Rooted by Lisa M. Hamilton, she is recording the words of a North Dakota grain farmer named David Pottle. And he says, if you take it from the standpoint of human labor efficiency, there is nothing more efficient 
than American agriculture. Just imagine driving one of those massive combines. There's how many bushels a minute of corn coming into the hopper? It's like gold coming out of the tube. You can combine $150,000 worth of corn in a day. One person can. Holy smokes! It's a marvel, an absolute marvel of science that this can be done. When it comes to human labor, it is the most efficient agriculture the world has ever seen, by far. But from the standpoint of energy, there is nothing more inefficient. It is completely and absolutely, irrevocably unsustainable. It cannot endure past the oil age. So David there is talking about uh, our dependence on fossil fuels to run. And of course, we know, like I said before, all these problems from fossil fuels. But then there are also social issues. There is increasing ownership in our food system by a few corporations at many levels from seed to the plate. There is rural migration, people leaving rural communities. There are food deserts, areas of lack of access to affordable fruits, vegetables, and whole grains in urban areas and in rural areas. There are foodborne illness outbreaks. We just saw that with romaine lettuce. And there's poor treatment of farm workers. In the book Fresh Fruit, Broken Bodies, Seth Holmes documents his time with indigenous families in Oaxaca, Mexico, and then he follows them to migrant labor camps in Washington and California, picking berries and accompanying them when sick to clinics and hospitals. He sees such a system of mistreatment of these brothers and sisters, of low pay, of poor living conditions, of non-existent benefits, and then, as the title says, they're broken bodies. They're physically broken bodies from their labor. And Holmes wants us to see these fellow humans, these skilled and hard workers, and be moved in what he calls mutual humanity. So representations of and policies toward migrant laborers might become more humane, just, and responsive. So environmental and social challenges of great consequence are just totally part of our food system now. And yet, fear not. And I can say fear not because I've seen and read about other ways of feeding ourselves, ways that treat the land and plants and animals as the managed ecosystems, the agro-ecosystems that they are. For example, there's Maria Inez Catalan, a third-generation migrant farm worker who was able to receive further training through a program in Salinas, California, and now has her own farm. And she sells to farmers markets as well as to women and and, um, children programs that, that are getting assistance, and she also volunteers to assist other farm workers so that they might find new ways of being. And I see Steve Pedersen at High Ground Farm in Watsonville growing organic vegetables and strawberries in the maritime climate while restoring the hillsides that lead down from his farm to the surrounding sloughs that then connect to the Monterey Bay. And he's restoring these hillsides to coastal prairie and finding an endangered plant in the daisy family that was just hiding in the weeds there and waiting for its habitat to return. And I've seen Tony Thompson's farm in Minnesota with such careful tillage that water sinks into the soil even during heavy rain, while at the same time it puddles in tire tracks on his neighbor's farm. Tony tries to make sure no drop of water leaves his farm without cycling through his plants and soils. 
And there's Will Allen's work at Growing Power Farm in Milwaukee, growing salad greens hanging in pots and greenhouses, and the water from the lettuce drains down to the tanks of fish, hundreds of fish, and the nutrient-rich water from the fish waste cycles back to the lettuces, and his community can now eat fish that were formerly caught in the lake but have been contaminated with heavy metals there in the wild. And then there's Winona LaDuke, the well-known activist who's working to reinstall hemp production, sustainable hemp production, from field to mill to cloth to bring income and good work to her tribal community on the White Earth Reservation in Minnesota. So care of water, dignified labor, carbon dioxide capture, sharing land with nature. We have so much work to do to adapt practices and develop new ones, to find ways of food and fiber production that will nourish the land and people, that are appropriate to and beloved even in each place, and that fit ecologically, agronomically, culturally, politically to each place too. There's so much work to be done, but fear not, there are examples of what can be done. So I'm going to give the final words to Fred Kirschman, who's a farmer and philosopher and is president of the board of the Stone Barns Center for Food and Agriculture and distinguished fellow at the Leopold Center for Sustainable Agriculture at Iowa State University in the book Letters to a Young Farmer, also on our summer reading list for 2018. So Fred Kirschman says, Such a transition to a culture that values the land's health will be challenging. Given our current culture of maximum efficient production for short-term economic return, but it is possible and necessary, and in the long run it will be essential to both the success and the joyfulness of the future of farming. Such a transition is one that we all, farmers, food entrepreneurs, and eaters, have to engage in together as food citizens devoted to creating a viable, sustainable food system for our future and the future of our children and grandchildren. Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.